it's actually a guy from Mooresville that was making the bet at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. His son plays for the University of Cincinnati, who also ended up in, un, investigating their program because he made some big bets on them. But he knew a kid that went to Alabama that had told him that the pitcher wasn't going to be able to throw. So, you know, even if all these players aren't betting on the games themselves, they're telling their family members, oh, man, it sucks. Such and such isn't going to be able to play, which is basically the same thing. You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to Huddle Up, a football podcast. I'm Tony. I'm not joined by Corey or Daniel this week. This week, I'm joined by my friend Jay, Jay Nelson. Welcome to the huddle, Jay. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's Jay, my debut. Jay is a lover of fine shoes. Jay is a um, second string baseball umpire. He he umps from the bleachers. What else do you do, Jay? Well, I think all parents in baseball tend to ump from the bleachers anymore. I think so. But no, I'm a big college basketball guy. A uh, big fantasy football guy is really where I get into the NFL, so that's why I think the schedule was something good to talk about because that matters in fantasy football as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. Today we're going to talk about uh, the schedule. The schedule's been released, um, so that's going to take the bulk of the bulk of the show. Um, and then we're going to do some of the Vegas futures on win win loss bets. I think some of them are ridiculous. Uh, I'll get those pulled up while we go on, but uh, just for the sake of tradition, let's start out with some news. Jay and I were talking before uh, before we started recording about uh, the recent ban on Isaiah Rogers, incoming ban. The man is getting banned from football, I think probably forever, for betting on up to 100 games, including Colts games. And we were kind of talking about the baseball game from last year. Just to Everybody probably already knows about what I, what's going on with Isaiah Rogers. But long story short... The league found out, as they always will, every time a player bets using their own name, the league is going to find out, and they did, that Isaiah Rogers bet on a Colts game. The problem is, this is the first time, outside of Calvin Ridley, there have been other players that have been in trouble for betting games. Never on their own team. Now, Calvin Ridley did it, but he was on injured reserve. He was in a different state. Like, he wasn't involved at all. I struggle because this opens a door. You know, I think about that Minnesota game the greatest comeback in NFL history. And it's like, what if, I mean, just think about that. Like to me, that's where it sits fucked up in my stomach is what if these players are betting their own teams? They know they're not going to win anyway. Oh fuck. We almost won this game. Everybody guys. Right. Is that crazy? For sure. Is that crazy? I mean, no, I mean, for me, I think when it comes down to betting on your own team, and I honestly don't believe that's what most of these guys would do or theoretically are doing. My guess would be most of these guys just know about football and enjoy football and are betting on their old college team or, you know, to me, the dumbest thing about this is that he did it himself. I mean, why not just tell a buddy to make the bet for you? I mean, there's got to be 20 different ways guys are or could do this better than this but you talk about that 
huge comeback game. If we really think about the NFL anymore, it comes down to three or four plays a game. So, you know, to think about a, a running back, a quarterback, or a receiver, I mean, how many times could a receiver just drop a third down pass? You know, how many times yes. could a running back, you know, late fumble a ball going into a pile or a quarterback take a sack? You know, it, it, it's second and 10 and, and they bet whatever, or they know somebody else bet whatever, and they take a sack that doesn't, you're not even going to notice that play as just something that happens. A hundred percent. We got no room for it. I don't want to go on about it too long. I think it sucks that they can't bet. But like you were saying before, like these people are friends. They're only gladiators for like an hour or two a week. Outside of that, they're buddies. And they get to talking to each other, who's going to play, who's not going to play, who's banged up. Uh, they know. They know what's going on. It's, it's, I don't want to go on about it too much longer. Um, I'm going to move on. Let's keep talking about the Colts because we always love to talk about the Colts. The schedule is out. Is there any other news that I need to talk about before we move on to the schedule? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the schedule has a lot of interesting stuff in it, but, uh, you know, I, and, and I don't know the exact numbers. You may know, but I don't know what Amazon paid to get these Thursday night games, but it may be the only deal Bezos has ever gotten worse than his divorce settlement because oh, it is wow. absolutely brutal what they got this year. They got, so they tried to get the flex to where they could flex in better games as the season goes on. League said pass, so he gets no flex. Um, they get New Orleans twice. They get New Orleans Jacksonville and New Orleans Rams, which that New Orleans Rams game has to be one of the worst games of the year. It's just brutal. You know, I don't, I don't know what they paid for it. And, you know, a lot of people complained about the announcers and a lot of different stuff, but they can't be getting their money's worth out of that. So it's $11 billion to carry NFL's Thursday night football for 11 seasons. $11 billion, so, a billion dollars a year is what it's costing them. And, and when I was thinking about it, I was trying to think how it makes sense for them. And obviously there are markets and there are a lot of people that want to watch it. And if you have the only NFL game, that's great. But the players, and we, they always talk about how they care about player safety so much. But then they shorten that game up to Sunday to Thursday. Why wouldn't Amazon, I mean, would they have been better spending that money and taking that Saturday night, 9 o'clock football game, college that's great every week, putting it on Thursday and moving an NFL game to Saturday night? Everybody would love to see a Thursday night great college football game. And it's Saturday to Thursday, so it's not as bad on the players. Like, I just feel like it was a bad idea. I don't think it was a great idea. The scheduling isn't helping them. That's for damn sure. Like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. You're right. For I think we've been talking about the Thursday night football games really kind of, like, it was divisional games for a long time, and that's really fun once a month. Like, once a month you run into a really good Seahawks-Cardinals game where every, both teams are just real hot that one time. But really, outside of that, and the see that, by the way, that's a bad example because if we watch Seahawks-Cardinals now, It'd be a snooze fest. The, the problem is it's, it used to be divisional. Now it's not. They can't quite seem to figure out how to make it actually a primetime game. Uh, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think they're going to move college football off a of Saturday. I kind of don't agree with that take for, the, for a lot of reasons, but mostly tradition. And because these are college students, um, they have parents that need to be involved. They've got 
it's, they travel, you know, these college teams, most of the ones that we watch on TV Saturday night, they travel well. Um, yeah. yeah, these are these are real college students now with what they're making in NIL money. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess you got a point there. Um, and we did. Don't forget, last year we did have that amazing Colts Broncos game that they got televised on Thursday night. Dude, I forgot about that game. That might have been the worst game that's ever aired on television. Well, that's what I thought of as soon as I saw that New Orleans Rams game. Like that game can't be much better. There's no way it's worse though. It's got to be better. That was the worst well, game that's ever been be on. Worse. Yeah. Well, surprise, surprise. The Colts don't have. Oh wait, wait. The Colts have. I'm, I ruined it. I was going to make a joke. The Colts have two primetime games this year, but both are in preseason. That was the joke. I ruined it with my setup. Uh, they are one. Yeah. Of, so you, yeah, but they are week two and three. So the starters may even play two quarters. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising. It'll be fun to watch uh, to watch Colts' new offense. It will be fun. They are one of four teams. But it's, I mean, what do you? Who do you think plays in those games? Who who comes out and plays the first quarter of that first preseason game against the Bills? The first preseason game. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Richardson took a drive or ten snaps. You know, something small just to get him out there. I don't think you're going to see a lot in week one and probably not even week two um, out of the Indianapolis Colts. I, I'm, there's not much preseason left at all. There he is. Anthony Richardson is so young and he needs so much more exposure that maybe, maybe the coaching staff goes against normal tradition and they play him a lot more than we're used to. Well, here's the problem with that. So if they do that and they say, Hey, let's build him up for a couple of weeks and then get him some reps you're going to put him out there in week three when the Eagles are playing their starters for a half against that defense. Yeah. I mean, that's the last thing I'd want to do with a, a young kid. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an NFL coach. Part of me thinks put him out there, put him out there for a quarter and, and let him get the shit. Kicked oh, out I think, him. I think you play him. Yeah. I think you play him some, you have to, and who knows what happens. Well, he'll learn a lot, no matter what. He's got a lot to learn. But, I, I mean, when you look at their regular season schedule and you start to get into it, I actually, you know, and, you know, I don't know that if we talk about, you know, my favorite over-under best, I probably don't have any AFC South teams in there. But, you know, I think the Texans are going to be better. You know, I actually think Jacksonville may take a step back. You know, this Colts schedule – you know, if they did play, be it Minshew or whoever, you know, there are in those first six, seven games, there are probably four winnable games. I'm pulling up all the AFC South right now. Do you have it in front of you? Uh, I've got I've got the Colts right in front of me right now. So the Colts start with Jacksonville at home. You know what I think? You look at Jacksonville, and historically, I feel like in the NFL, this is more from a fantasy thing. But when the team will bring in a bunch of free agents like they did, you get a big year when everything changes. And then your division team specifically, you know, understand the players better. 
prepare better for him. And a lot of those teams take a drop back the next year. Like, I don't, I don't know that Jacksonville is going to win as many games as they did last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a step back. I, I think Jacksonville's, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think they're still probably the most complete team in the division. Uh, you have to keep in mind Calvin Ridley is, um, Calvin Ridley's not nothing. I know he's been out for what? It feels like two years now. I guess he had some injuries and then it was personal health, some mental health issues. And then, and he was just on, on a bad team in a bad situation. And he was on a bad team, but there, but Calvin Ridley can dominate and Trevor Lawrence has shown up. I mean, he's the real deal. We, everybody thought he was the next Andrew Luck. He's not, but he's pretty damn close. I mean, he's not real far from it. Um, he was electric last year. The whole offense is explosive. What's going on with uh, ETN and they added Tank. They added a running back named, literally named Tank to make up for all of the deficits. ETN's not efficient inside the red zone. I was reading a stat today. Horribly inefficient at the goal line and not a great passer. So they've got all the, all the slot guys in the world, Calvin Ridley on the outside, uh, and then a complete running back room. I, I don't know, man. I'm terrified of Jacksonville. I think, they're, I think they're the best team in the AFC South. I actually think the Titans, if any team, are going to take a step back. But I don't, I don't look at the AFC South and look at Jacksonville and say, oh, they're going to run away with this division. They should win that division. But I don't know that they're going to come in there and just run away with it. And they're over and under at nine and a half. I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, do is it crazy to say that they're going to win that division and be nine and eight? I don't. Th- I mean, I, I don't think they're that much better than nine and eight. Um, no, no, they're not that much better. They're not that much better than nine and eight. But yeah. So the Colts go Jacksonville at home. They go to the Texans, which is a winnable game. They go to Baltimore, which, you know, it's at least going to be physical. Then they get to come home for the Rams, who are absolutely going to be terrible. Um, You've got home for the Titans. Then they go to Jacksonville and then come home for the Browns and the Saints, followed by at Carolina. So, you know, those first nine games, you know, there's nobody in there that you're petrified of. There's really not. The Ravens could be a tough game. I'm still not convinced. Um, but you're right. I think it's a winnable schedule. I, I like the Colts over six and a half wins. Is that where you like them too? Yeah, I, I, I definitely like the Colts over. The one thing that is interesting to me when we look at the schedule, focusing on the schedule, you look at the Colts have no – and I don't care about the preseason because we don't play fancy football in the preseason. But they have no regular season primetime game, and Tampa Bay has two. Like it just like what is what is the league thinking there? That Tampa Bay team is going to be awful. They have no quarterback, which is clearly what the league cares about and what the league is made on. The Colts beat the Chiefs at home on primetime last year and go out and get an exciting player and theoretically get better, and they give them no primetime game. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But what I will say is the Colts have been given primetime games multiple times. Was the Chiefs? The Chiefs weren't a primetime game. I think that was 1 o'clock game. Uh, the Colts, For some reason, I thought it was a Sunday night. The Colts yeah, have been getting sure. plenty. They've been getting multiple 
primetime games a year. I want to say it's been two or three years now. And they just, they've squandered it away. I mean, nothing happens. It's, it's been a bunch of hope. And I think the, the Indianapolis Colts are in a spot where they're going to have to prove, uh, prove themselves again that they can contend with some of the best teams in the league. They finished third fewest points per game last year. I mean, they sucked. It was awful. It was brutal to watch. But was Tampa Bay below them? I guess that's my, like, I, I'm just stuck on that one thing. Like, that, the fact that we have to see Tampa Bay twice, I guess, is my bigger frustration. It, it sucks knowing that we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. It's, I guess it's going to be Baker Mayfield. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe that's part of it. Maybe the hype of this new Baker Mayfield kid. Um, Tampa Bay is dominant. They're still a good team. That's all I can think. I, I don't mean, know. well, I don't maybe know. they just have to. It, it just helps progressive commercials with Baker. You know, maybe is he going to now? Yeah. Is he going to live in the Tampa Bay field now? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what Baker's going to do, but I bet Baker's minding his own fucking business for a minute. <laughs> he will if it's if he knows what's good for him. Yeah. Looking at the division, um, Jacksonville minus one fifty, Titans at four hundred, Colts at five hundred to win the division. What do you think about, I don't disagree that the Jacksonville Jaguars are probably the most likely to win, but looking at these odds, what do you think about throwing a little money on a team like Indianapolis at plus 500? Oh, I, I definitely I definitely like Indianapolis to win better than Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to take a big step back. I agree with you there. And you know, and, and the Colts, again, you look at those first nine games, say they play the mustache for those first eight, nine games, and he can get you through those games at five and four. And then, you know, Steichen brings Richardson in and you've got Richardson and Taylor and he's running some of that read option stuff that he's had weeks to develop with Richardson and you're preparing the offensive line for it in practice. It's, you can't tell me it's that crazy to think they come out and win four out of the next eight and end up with nine wins or eight wins or whatever. I mean, eight wins could win that division. I think eight wins can win. Yeah, 100%. 100%. No, I, I like them there. I don't think the Texans are going to be ready. I do think the Texans may be better than some people think they'll be, but I don't think they're going to be ready. Agree. The Texans are a team that is going to be very scary two or three years from now. Like, they're definitely rebuilding, I think, the right way. I thought their draft was awesome. I thought what they did to the draft was incredible. Um, getting the first and the second overall pick, I mean – Jesus. I, I don't think C.J. Stroud's the right guy, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out later. But how many times have the Texans been two to three years away from being really good? Well, the difference now is they they seem to have a real general manager making decisions. You know, Bill O'Brien was doing stuff for a long time that made absolutely no sense at all. He'd get a great player and give him away for nothing. That's the opposite of what you're supposed to do. So it seems like they have a massive carousel of draft picks. They're able to, to make some decisions. I think they're going to be a team that players are going to want to go to soon. And I guess that's part of it, too. Like, uh, if it, this is going to hinge a little bit on Stroud. If Stroud can ball, then I think that changes things, accelerates things really quickly. And not just in, not just in the obvious, like scoring points on the football field, but in getting the team to be unified and getting other talent that's going to hit free agency getting it interested and getting players who may not be interested in pushing for a trade with their agent to maybe potentially push for that trade. Um, because we act like the trades 
are just done by general managers. And that's mostly true. But how often do, do agents go to GMs and say, hey, we want traded? And how often do you think they say, oh, hey, I'm sure way hey, more often than we know about. And we want traded to X team or X team. And if you can make it happen, that'd be awesome. And if you can't, I'll show up and I'll keep playing, but we want out of here, just so you know. I mean, I'm sure that shit goes down. I'm sure of it. Well, and the, and the biggest thing that I've always thought with the Texans since they put that team there, if you look at all of the divisions across the league, in terms of market size, they have the biggest advantage, and they should sell more tickets and make more money they have the biggest advantage over the other three teams in their division of any team in the league. Like if they ever get good and they get to the point, they should make enough money to be able to spend the money and stay consistently good. And they're in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about the Houston Texans, but not this year, not this year. Small step forward for them. No. Big step back for Tennessee. I saw DeAndre Hopkins is going to Tennessee to work out. Did this become an AFC South podcast? A little bit, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, why, I, I don't understand why he'd go there. Like, if, if he can go anywhere and you can pick, pick a quarterback that's going to throw you the ball. Yeah. I feel like I mean, it was just to get the ball rolling. I don't think there's any way in the world he picks Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. To talk about, to roll into something interesting that I don't know if I've seen very many times before, specifically with him leaving, Arizona is one of the only times I remember that's an underdog in every single game. Whoa. So going into the year, the, the two outliers, everybody else is kind of normal, but the cards are an underdog in every single game. Cincinnati's favored in 15 out of 17. Who, who's the two that Cincinnati's not favored in? Um, I didn't look at it, but my guess would be Buffalo and KC. That makes sense. So the, do you have the Cardinals as one of, your, uh, one of your teams you picked? I definitely do like the Cardinals going under, but uh, I wouldn't say they're in my top five or six, you know, if we're going to rate it. Since we just talked about it, you know, the Cincinnati favored in 15 out of 17. They're number one bet at over 11 and a half. Over, you know, not over only are they favored. Okay. Yeah. They brought in Orlando Brown. So they're going to fix some of that line stuff. And then along with them, the very next day, they signed Cody Ford, who he played on the college line with. Their teams they play against are the NFC West and the AFC South, which if you could pick two divisions that you want to match up against. And then when you look at some of their tougher games, like they've got, they go to the Niners. I think it's at the Niners. I don't remember, but it's after the bye week. It is so at the even Niners. Even that, yeah. you know, makes, makes that game a little bit easier, you know, because they get a full week to prep it. But you talk about 11 and a half with eight games, coming against the NFC West and AFC South, I think they win six of those. Of course, they lose, uh, so then lose one to the Colts, of course, and then we'll say they lose, um, I don't know. I'm reaching. Seattle, maybe, right? I mean, Seattle, you know, could grind one out against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, they're probably not going to win all eight, but if I told you right now that they won all eight of those games, I don't think anybody's going to tell us we're crazy. No, I don't think you'd be crazy at all. I think they're more likely to win all eight than they are to lose any of them. 
Like, yeah, I just think you, you look at some of these and then talking about that, you know, when we bring up Seattle, you know, I wouldn't say, hey, you know, if Cincinnati's my number one, Seattle's going to be my number two. But Seattle's numbers sitting at eight and a half right now. They add Smith Jigba from Ohio State, who is one of my favorite players in the draft. And, you know, with the big receivers they already have there, a power running back, you think he could get, you know, find some open spot. You know, you've got – I really like what they added defensively, both in the draft and some free agent stuff. You know, of course, they've got Arizona and the Rams four times. So, you know, I think we all think they're going to win all four of those, but I don't think they win less than three. And then they've got the NFC East, which obviously has a couple tough teams. Then they have the AFC North, which has a couple tough teams. But Pete Carroll seems to win games. You know, and they've got a quarterback that doesn't turn it over, which is what costs you games in the NFL. You know, they've got a running back that's coming back for a second year. They've got an offensive line, a defense. I think that's a team that wins at least nine games. I'm looking up some Geno Smith stats right now because you said that he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I'm looking. Yeah, I mean, 64 touchdowns to 48 interceptions over his career. It's not great, but last year he was clean. 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, and he also does he also I feel like does a better he doesn't make the bad turnover. Now sometimes that means they don't get the first down when maybe they need it. But he doesn't throw those, you know, end of two minutes left in the first half, turn it over, the other team scores and they get the ball to start the half. Or, you know, the pick six. He does he doesn't tend to make those throws. And then you look at their schedule, you know, one team I think could struggle is you know, everybody loves Detroit, but I don't think the NFL did them a lot of favors sending them to KC for ring night in the opening game of the season. You know, I don't think it'd be crazy to say they go there and get blown out and then their season could go downhill quick. But you look at Seattle, they go the Rams at home, they go to Detroit, Carolina at home, to the Giants, to the Bengals. So a tough one there. And then they go Arizona, Cleveland. They've got Washington on the schedule. Um, they do yeah. get Dallas. They go to Dallas. I think it's like Thanksgiving week. I don't remember. They do have Philadelphia, but there's nine wins here. Man, you're giving me a case for it. I look at, I'm staring at the Geno Smith stats and they look fine. He was awesome last year. And I'm looking at that comeback player of the year award. I'm at pro football reference right now. And I keep thinking of Stefania Bell. She's an analyst for ESPN. She does their like injury stuff. You probably are. You yeah. Know. She's like the yeah. doctor. Or whatever. Yeah. She's yeah. on the, uh, she's always on the fantasy. Stuff. Yeah. And I remember um, when I first got into fantasy football, I started listening to that podcast with Matthew Barry, who's no longer on that show anymore. But anyway, I remember her saying, like, every year, she'd like, yeah, the Comeback Player of the Year award doesn't go to somebody who sucked last year. It comes to somebody who got hurt. And I keep, like, all year we were talking about Geno Smith being Comeback Player of the Year, and I kept hearing Stefania Bell in my head. Um, and I worry, I really worry that Geno Smith is going to return back to the perennial backup that he was for the, like, eight seasons before Comeback Player of the Year. I, I'm... I'm cautious on 
Seattle. I probably wouldn't take the over. You gave me all the and reasons I, to take it, but I'm just there's just a part of me that thinks, despite the talent around him, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm overthinking this because there is so much talent around him. Maybe it's going to be fine anyway. Um, and I think it's the uh, and, and I don't know. I'm not here saying that I think Geno Smith's going to come in and put up top ten numbers. But I would say if you have a quarterback like Geno Smith and you wanted to manage with him, what are the other things you would want on your offense? You want a running back that can run strong in between the tackles, which they have. You want a solid offensive line. Obviously, everybody does. But you want a receiver that can go up and get the ball if necessary. It's not afraid to go over the middle. And you want a guy that can run little slants and deep balls out of the slot. And I think they have all those things. Like, I think they have the things they need to be successful with Geno Smith. Yeah, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. I wouldn't take the bet. What's the line? What did you say it was? Eight and a half. And what are the odds? They have to have Is a it 110 record. or something? Um, I just looked at the over-under. I didn't look at the money line, but the money line probably is somewhere around 110 to 115 if it's yeah. eight and a half. Yeah. Well. But again, while we're out there, out west, I mean, does anybody think the Rams are going to win seven games because they're over-under six and a half? I think that depends on which Matt Stafford we get. Uh, everybody's talking about Matt Stafford having permanent injuries, like like they did with Peyton Manning. I mean, obviously not the same player, so let's get that out of the way. But Peyton Manning goes to Denver, and they're talking about him having like permanent long-term neck injuries, nerve damage, can't feel his hands. Next thing you know, he sets records for touchdown passes in a season. I think Matt Stafford's capable of doing that still if he's healthy. I think we're going to find out right away real quick. If, if it's the real Matt Stafford and... Cooper Cup is still there. He had an injury late last year. It was pretty significant, wasn't it? An ACL, maybe? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Something on the knee. I don't know which one. But. Yeah, I, I think that's going to hurt him more than anything else is the Cooper Cup injury. But, uh, and then I think, can you, win, can you win games with two players? You really can't. The defense has crumbled. They don't have any draft capital. Yeah. No, I don't. Does their coach, doesn't their coach even want to coach anymore? I mean, I think so. Yeah, but the biggest thing with them that I noticed, and again, when you play fantasy football, you focus more on the buys than anything else. But the NFL jammed them up. They play four of their games, and the team that they played is coming off of a buy. So a team that's already going to struggle, on top of that, four times throughout the year, they're going to go into a team that had two weeks to prepare against them. Four and times? And if you look at it, yeah, four times, which is the most. The most of any team. I don't think any other – I think the most of any other team was two. Holy shit. And then you look, at their, you look at their schedule, they're going to go to Seattle on week one. They've got home for the 49ers on week two. Then they go to Cincinnati. You've got at the Colts, so, you know, who knows who wins that game. And then they come home for the Eagles. So, best-case scenario, you're one and four after five weeks. Yeah, that's a hard hill to climb. You know, and then you look at their matchups, you still have they're at Dallas, they're at Green Bay, 
then they are at Baltimore. They finished the year at the 49ers. I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know if this team's going to be a three-win team. I wouldn't be shocked if they are, but I can't see them being win seven games. Coming back east, um, how do you feel about Pittsburgh? I feel like Pittsburgh might be the worst team in the division. I could have pulled up in front of me here, but. Um... I feel like Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of hope right now. I don't think they've had a, a losing season yet. They did not have a losing season last year, correct? No, Tomlin's never had one. Yeah, Tomlin is literally the glue. He is willing that team to win football games. I love Najee Harris. I absolutely love him. Is it Najee or Najee? Najee. I think it's not. I, I don't know how to say it. Najee. I love George Pickens. He's not going to get worse this year. You know, I don't, you know, obviously you don't, we don't know anything on injuries when you talk about this, but you're going to have a healthy wad all year. Hopefully. You've I like George. Second year QB. I like George Pickens. I, I don't know that the QB's got it. I think they're stuck in the same, you know, we look at, I'll mention the Colts just to say, because it happened to them with Andrew Luck. I'll mention the Saints with Drew Brees. I mean, we can name some guys here where they stuck with a team for a real long time, like Ben Roethlisberger. And the fans and everybody really kind of thought that the, um, that the team was strong enough that the quarterback doesn't matter. And I'm being extreme. Nobody thinks the quarterback doesn't matter. But I, I, I think that some people thought that the legacy was so good, the foundation was so strong, that if you plug in an average guy there, I think I found myself even saying this about Pittsburgh. Like, the wide receiver room was so strong. The coach is so well-rounded. Uh, the defense is so good. Just put an average guy in that doesn't make any mistakes. Put a Geno Smith in Pittsburgh, and you're going to be winning football games still. I don't know if it's the case. I don't know if it's the case. I, th- I think it's the case to get to – I think that's the way in the NFL anymore. You get to 10-7, and 7, you get to 9-8, and 8, you get to 8-9. and 9. But to get to 13 wins, I think it's all about the quarterback. But again, and, and you know, you hate to break it down to individual games because we don't know what's going to happen, but how many games does Pittsburgh maybe win against the AFC South? They're going to get at least two of those, right? Man, I don't know. I don't know. Then they get the NFC West. I think two is a good line. I want. I really want to think about the NFC South. I think two is the right line. So you're saying AFC they South. beat the? T- yeah. So, so they've got they've got the AFC South. You're saying let's let's so name. They, you're saying they they beat Houston and they beat. Is it the Colts or is it Tennessee? I think they beat. I think they beat Houston and Tennessee, and I think they beat one. Of, I personally think they beat one of the other two teams. Okay, so you think they win three of them? It, and then they've got the NFC West. So let's go ahead and give them the Cardinals and the Rams. Me personally, I'm going to go ahead and give them the Cardinals and the Rams. And then you know you can look at it and say you know all the arguments you just made for Pittsburgh were the same things we talked about Seattle. It's kind of why. I rolled here next in my head. So, you know, that matchup's probably a 50-50, right? Yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. and then San Francisco, who, who knows what's going on with their quarterback. I love this time of year when we hear about quarterbacks. Right now the big ones are San Francisco and Chicago. All we hear about, oh, man, their quarterback looks great. You know, he's made such great strides, and he looks awesome. I'm like, what does he look awesome doing? They're not even doing anything. Like, he's not playing anybody. Like, he better – an NFL quarterback better look awesome when he's going <laughs> routes to a player on the field. I mean, that's Yeah, that's, n- that's not being guarded by anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they better look really good. You know, so I, I don't know what that means, but, you know, I, I think Pittsburgh – I mean, it's tough to bet against a guy – who has never had a losing record and needs to win nine games to cover the over-under. You're right. Now, who knows about Cleveland? You know, I I didn't even look at Cleveland's over-under because you look at their quarterback, you look at that team, everything they've been through, that city, I have no clue what Cleveland's going to be. If you told me you thought they were good, they had a chance to be 13-4, and four, I don't think I'd had a, have any argument against it. If you told me you thought they were going to be 4-13, and 13, I don't know how much of an argument I can come up with against that. No, I agree. I'm starting to wonder legitimately if Cleveland is cursed. If somebody cursed Cleveland and literally nothing will work. Well, I did have somebody ask me. I, I do think Cleveland is in trouble outside of LeBron. It was nice that they obviously had LeBron and, and went through all that. But somebody asked me, like one of my kids asked me, what I thought the best sports movie ever was. And I thought about it forever, and, you know, I kind of settled on maybe, you know, the first Rocky is really good, but Major League is up there. So Cleveland's always going to have Major League. (laughs) There you go. But, yeah. So then another one, when we talk to kind of go the polar opposite, going from two teams that, that may possibly just be average, or, you know, we talked about some bad teams. What do you think about Kansas City at 11 and a half? Um, let me look at the schedule. My gut tells me over. That's kind of where I am, too. One thing I really like for them, if you listen to, like, for fantasy or whatever, everybody says the absolute hardest team in the league to prepare for is the Eagles. Makes sense. But they do catch the Eagles after their bye, which is nice. One thing I was disappointed about in the schedule when we talk about the Chiefs is they made that – it's technically a Chiefs home game, but they made the Dolphins game in Germany so we don't get to see Tyreek come back. Like, I would have loved to see him come back to Arrowhead. Yeah, that would have been huge. What a bummer. What the fuck? That's a bummer. But the other thing I wonder about the that game, the Miami game in Germany, like – how long will Tua have to stay there after he gets a concussion? Like, how long will he have to have been out of a concussion before he can fly there? Probably like, like three you know, weeks. He may not even be able to play. Yeah. yeah. It's probably three weeks. Is Did they set their buy up after Germany? Dolphins also? Um, I don't. That they would be... take the buy immediately after, yes. Oh, that's foresight. So the schedule maker is thinking about this. Yeah. Good. So they take the buy after, then they get Philly. But uh, so they pick up on their schedule. They have the AFC East and the NFC East. So they, I mean, their schedule isn't easy for sure. But they start out not, I mean, they've got that Detroit game, but, you know, getting your rings at home, 
on a Thursday night. You'd think they can show up for that game. Then they go at Jacksonville, home for the Bears, at the Jets, which are another team that I don't know what to think about, but their their schedule definitely isn't easy. I just kind of passed over them altogether on an over-under. At the Vikings, which, again, they won all those close games with a negative point differential last year. Who knows what they do? Um, then you've got, you know, the AFC West. So you've got Denver. You've got, obviously, the Chargers, which they always seem to give away games. So I don't think their schedule's easy. But, man, I just – Patrick Mahomes and that offense, I just don't see him winning less than 12 games. I agree. I agree. I think they could play the Eagles every week and still beat them 12 times. And, and I it, say that because but, I think the Eagles are just one of the best teams in football. I just named them. It could have been, the, I could say the Bills. I, I think they play any team every week for a season, whatever the best other team is, and they beat them 12 times that season. But it is, you, you look at that schedule, you know, they've got the Bills earlier in the year, and then week 17 against the Bengals is going to be a fun game. Yeah, that's always a fun game, man. That's always a fun game. And they always seem, the Bengals always end up, seem to end up going to Arrowhead, so I think that's a cool game. It's New Year's Eve, too. Holy shit. Yeah. And then they also, another interesting thing on the schedule, almost just like a big middle finger to the NBA, they did three Christmas Day games. And, you know, the NBA's always kind of owned Christmas Day with the BS superstar matchups and games that nobody cares about, including the players. But the NFL's going after them with three games on Christmas Day. Good. And a Black Friday game. Love it. I love it. I really don't yeah, like so the don't, NBA, by the way. I don't like it at all. I like it in the playoffs. The playoffs are fun to watch because everybody cares, but there are some parts of it that are definitely tough to watch anymore. I mean, yeah, so some players I just can't watch more than anything else. Like, I, I could go with ever, ever watching hard anymore. Like, just the way he draws fouls, the way he plays. I think Luke is amazing. But to watch them just dribble the ball 190 times a game and try and get fouls is a little irritating as well. The last team I had marked off to definitely talk about, and this one, I looked at their schedule, and I picked how many games I thought they would win. I looked at their over-under. I was blown away at, one, how high the over-under was, and, two, that I really think I would take the over. What do you think the over-under is for the Saints? Five and a half. The over-under for the New Orleans Saints is nine and a half. Oh, my God. What? Yeah, but then... Oh, my God. I keep forgetting about Derek Carr. Yeah, and if I had to pick, I'm I'm picking over because you've got six games against Andy Dalton, Baker Mayfield, and Ritter. Then you've got the AFC South and the NFC North. Andy Dalton? Are you talking about the Titans? The Panthers? Yeah. You're talking about the Panthers? The Panthers, yeah. Not Andy Dalton. Dalton's going to play probably at least one of those games. I don't think they're going to start the rookie all year, do you? Yeah, he's the first overall pick. You roll him right out. And it is nice. They do another just 
interesting schedule thing. And I didn't go back and look at exactly how many times, but they opened the year at Atlanta. So Bryce Young has to have played in that stadium. How many times? I feel like Alabama was always there in the SEC title game, the <clears> national <throat> championship, something. He has to have played in that stadium yeah. five times. Yeah, he plays. I think every rookie that was drafted in the first two rounds that's not named Will Levis starts week one. I'm just so glad the Colts didn't draft Will Levis, and I'm not even a straight-up Colts fan. Like, I hope the Colts win, but I just don't want to watch another big white oak back there. (sighs) I like the idea of an athletic quarterback, and I think Taylor's a good pair with him. I was just so – I was so – they were going to take Levis because I sat here and I watched the draft and he just didn't look like the guy he's just I my biggest pet peeve with quarterbacks just like I said how we talked about how all these quarterbacks all over the country are looking so great when they're not doing anything I just feel like anytime the number one thing you hear about a quarterback is they have a big arm and he makes all the throws that guy never works out the guy with the big arm that makes all the throws. And you look at Levis, and he made all the throws that ended up in the defense's hands. Yes. I mean, the only guy that maybe, maybe did that is Justin out in L.A. Herbert, right? I mean, he's the one guy who's like, he's a big arm and he makes all the throws. That, you know, maybe he's come in and actually been the guy, but he doesn't really win either. Josh Allen was that guy. Josh Allen was a big guy. He had, I guess, make all the throws. Maybe that's not me because he had accuracy issues. Those are, I remember. Yeah, but the, I would say if you think about Josh Allen, you ask him, but hey, what does Josh Allen do well? It's that he's mobile. It's not big arm and makes all the throws. The first thing is he's mobile. Okay, that makes sense. You know, it's just. When the first thing you hear is big arm, all right, like how many how many plays are completed per team over 20 yards that he needs the big arm for per game or per season? I mean, like what is a good NFL team doing plays over 20? The best are probably, what, 40? Yeah, yeah, and 30 of them are just Patrick Mahomes flipping the ball at the five-yard line, and it happens to go for 20 because he flipped it to the right guy. Screens or, or whatever, and yeah. that's on all the teams. You know, so so the big arm that everybody's worried about helps your team four and a half times a game. And I would bet that a higher percentage than not of interceptions are on plays over 20 yards with the big arm. Sure. That makes perfect sense. But yeah, so I hope Bryce Young does well. But I will tell you, I was, I met a friend for drinks at St. Elmo's during the combine. And you know how when you go in St. Elmo's, you have that super long, you have to walk behind the bar to get down to the guy who seats you at your table. Yeah. So I'm sitting, standing next to a chair at that bar, and Bryce Young walks in, and he's my size. He's 5'10", and he's small. He's 180 pounds, maybe. And obviously, he's a lot younger than me, a lot more athletic, a lot better shape than I do. But I can't imagine he wants to lie under or get hit by some of these guys in the NFL. Did you know that I just recently hit 180 pounds? Oh, good for you. Yeah. Is that good or bad? It's not good. It's not good. I've started drinking less. I'm drinking less beer now. 
Well, but at the same time, it's going to be better for your NFL career. You'd be able to take more hits. <laughs> well, my stomach will be able to take more hits. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, good for you. So yeah. did you have to buy all new pants or how does that work? Um, some new pants. Yeah, I did buy some new pants. I shouldn't have How brought did this it affect up. your speed? Oh, I'm still fast. I'm still very fast because my legs didn't actually gain any of the weight. So my legs are still... Well, yeah, but they have to carry more weight. Oh, but that's fine. That's totally fine. Not a problem. I had very strong legs. Now, did you switch beer brands or just stop beer altogether? Like, did you go to one of the fake beers like the... uh, What's the stuff that... And not that anybody on here would know them anyway, but Bobby Lee used to drink those fake beers that are like low-carb. Michelob Ultras? Yeah, did you switch to the Ultras? So, no, I drink Miller Lite. Not that it's an endorsement, because it's not, because I'm not getting paid by Miller Lite. But that's what I drink, and it's about the same as a Michelob Ultra. They're the, they're the same kind of beer. A little bit different taste. See, he switched, he switched to the Michelob Ultra, but then drank 10 more. Well, yeah, of course. That's because it's an ultralight beer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not not drinking. I'm just, I've just got to get control of myself here. I've got to drink a little bit less. So I'm starting a little bit well, later. Well, since I, since I stopped traveling, I drink quite a bit less. And even just, I drank just bourbon. Uh, neat. I don't even need the ice, the water to uh, hydrate me at all. I did the worst possible way you can do it. And even just drinking less bourbon, I lost weight. Well, good for you. So now you're so about maybe, the same maybe, weight as Bryce Young. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm serious. He walked right next to me. And I don't know. You know, obviously, I'm kind of standing leaning on the bar, and he's just cruising through there. But I would have guessed he was shorter than me. I would have guessed he's 5'9", five, 5'9 nine, five, nine half. And I feel like I read something that said his measurements were almost identical to Kyler's. And I feel like Kyler's about that size. Isn't he, isn't he like 5'9", five, 5'9 nine, five, nine half? I'll look it up. But I think Kyler weighs more. I feel like Kyler's a little bit thicker, especially in the legs and the arms. He just doesn't study, apparently. Uh, the internet says Kyler is 5'10", 207. So, so he's probably 5'9", 195. That's, yeah. Yes. Although right now he may be heavier because he could be drinking Miller Lite because it's the offseason. He could be 208, 209. Wouldn't that be nice? Did you see Tua? Did you see how big Tua is right now? No, I didn't. Is he bigger than Zion? He's fucking massive right now. And they say it's muscle. Um... Is that good for a quarterback, though, really? Well, for a mobile quarterback, it is. I guess he's been practicing jujitsu, gaining some weight. (laughs) Excuse me. It can't be a bad thing. Um, I'm going to see. I wish I could show you the picture right now, but I can't. We're not not set up that way. But I mean, I guess I always felt like he was pretty physically imposing and and in good shape. uh, That was never the issue. There's a, a more recent photo. And he is fucking yoked, man. He is jacked. Like, he almost looks fat, but you know he's not. Like, they're talking about it like it's a good thing. In the photo, it doesn't look good, but I know that it is because everybody that's there says it is. So, um, remember when Eddie Lacy got fat and, like, everybody could see he was fat? And Lindell White? It's like that, except nobody's saying he's fat. They're saying that it's all muscle. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, I, he's somebody that I like watching play. I thought it was a shame. Obviously, you know, just like for his personal life and everything else, the stuff he went through last year. But I loved watching him play. <clears throat> yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I just don't know. And they were another one that I wrote down. And then I started glancing at it. And who knows what to think about them and what's going to happen with him. And 
I don't know what the deal is with that coach. He's so weird. He's so weird in his interviews, and he's dressed on the sidelines like Scarface with the big gold watches and the fancy sunglasses and the shoes and all the stuff. He's just a weird dude. But they do some – I mean, I read some really cool articles about things that they did to, like, track the defense's movement. Did you hear or read anything about this? No, I didn't. So they said – so. He's a big analytics guy, and you know how in the NFL, well, any sport anymore, they have all the things on the guys to track their movement, and they can track the other team, you know, how far they're running, how fast they are, you know, how, how active they've been. And they would actually run, like when they ran running plays and they ran pass plays where they knew, you know, it was going to be a screen to Tyreek Hill or whatever, they'd pull out Waddle on the other side of the field, put in a third-string fast receiver and just send him deep. And their goal was to get the other team's corners and safeties to run a certain distance before it got to the fourth quarter. And then they'd bring back Waddle and Hill and go deep. Oh, wow. And the other guys were tired. So they were running routes specific to get the defenders to run. Just, we're going to get them to run. When this defender's in, we're going to put a sub in, pull Waddle out, send the sub deep. And then if you look at their fourth quarters last year, they dominated and that's when all of those passes, like, I feel like they had more passes last year where, you know, red zone clicks over and there's no defender on the screen. Like, there's nobody within 10 yards of them, and they're just catching balls and running. And obviously, it's Hill and Waddle, so they've got a speed advantage. But I feel like you never see that in the NFL as open as they were at times last year. You don't see it very often. I'm excited about it. I'm, I really like the Dolphins. I'm very excited. I'm, they're a team that I enjoy watching. I didn't used to like them um, just on, I guess there was some grudge or some predisposition in my head and I just like didn't enjoy it. But dude, they're fun to watch. Like they're fucking blast to watch. So I, I hope to is healthy. If he is, that team wins the division. Okay. Whoa. I almost said heavily. And then I forgot about the bills. The, the dolphins could beat the bills with a healthy Tua. I think the dolphins win. Um, well, but then you also get, I mean, the Jets were good last year and you're adding Aaron Rodgers with a grudge. That's true. That's very true. And the Jets, Jets are very good. Um, they're the best, worst I team mean, in football those receivers, now. they're loaded with yeah. young, talented receivers. And again, Aaron Rodgers, I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. And I don't think he cared last year as much, especially when it started to go bad. They got rid of his receiver and you go through all of that. But you know, I think he's going to want to do well this year. Yeah, he's got a lot to prove. I think it wouldn't shock me if we have another. Um, I mean, would it shock you if he was NFL MVP again? I think that would shock me. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the number one quarterback. But obviously the NFL thinks they're going to get it done because I'm looking at it now. They've got five primetime games with a possible flex at the Patriots week 18, which obviously we wouldn't be surprised if that flex is the prime time. It is such a sneaky, good team. It's all the things you were talking about out of Seattle, except it's Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback. And yeah, I don't, yeah, like, but the, I don't like his attitude. NF- I don't like his face. I really don't like the way he smacks his lips on the Pat McAfee show because he smacks his lips a fucking lot. It drives me nuts. But I do love the Pat McAfee show. Though. I do love the Pat McAfee show. I just wish that Aaron Rodgers would stop smacking his lips all the time. 
but listen to their schedule. The NFL, he goes up there. Obviously, the NFL likes Rodgers. He wins the awards. He brings in fans. They did him no favors. So they get uh, Monday night, week one, the Bills come to New York. Week two, they are at Dallas. Week three, they've got the Patriots at home. Week four, they have the Chiefs at home. Week five, they go to Denver, which I don't know what to think about them either. And then week six, they come home to Philadelphia. That's tough. That's really tough. Then they get the week seven bye, which these teams don't like to have that early bye. But they could very easily be two and five, one and six. Almost best case scenario, three and four when you get the bye. I wouldn't say it's best case scenario. The The defense is excellent. And people have forgotten about Brees Hall. Brees Hall is generational. Like he's Saquon, Jonathan Taylor. Um, those are the recent guys. But like Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch. Like he's a guy. Isn't he? Isn't he smaller than those guys though? Um, I don't think he. He's not smaller than Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was small, wasn't he? Um, Adrian Peterson's a little bit bigger. When I used to travel to Houston for work all the time, he used to be out at restaurants and stuff. I, I don't know if he's from there or what the story is, but he's definitely fit. Uh, Brees I mean, Hall, 5'11", 220, so he's not lightweight, um, but he's – let's see here. I'm that's a pretty up. good size. I think that's almost the same size as Saquon. I'm going to look up Adrian Peterson, 6'1", 217. Okay, so I envisioned Peterson as not as big because he's taller, so he looks a little skinnier. That's fine. I'm cool with that. Well, Peterson also, he's definitely big enough to discipline his kids. He's definitely a grown man that has control over a child. That's correct. Yes. Well, no. Do you remember the whole thing? I remember with the stick in the park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely remember. But he was, I mean, talk about a fantasy stud. You know, those years when he was killing it, like fantasy studs, Going back, he's probably top three. I think it's probably Priest Holmes, LT, and Peterson in like their good years. I don't, I don't know if there's a better fantasy player to have on your team ever than those three guys. Oh, I just wish I would have started watching earlier. I missed so much good shit, man. I missed so much. Good I shit. mean, back in the day, LT was unbelievable to watch. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. I think it's... No, that's about uh, that's about uh, most of the stuff I had down to talk about with the schedule. the The only thing that would be kind of a a really interesting, I don't know what. Uh, I guess we live in a world of what you would call hot takes or whatever. But the Jacksonville London games back to back, so we know that the league wants a team over there. That's obviously why they've been having games there. We now live in a world of travel where from the East Coast, you can get there in probably five hours, maybe a little over, which is what, you know, if Buffalo goes west to San Francisco, what's that, four and a half? Like it's maybe an extra half hour over going over there. Uh, you're way they're more familiar with it than I am. Yeah. So it's probably half an hour more than going <laughs> east to west, maybe an hour. Then you look at it, and they're about to allegedly remodel that Jacksonville Stadium and spend a bunch of money on it, which I think we'd all agree 
makes no sense because that market's always stuck. It's going to suck with a nicer stadium too. And the cons already own a soccer team over there. They're a foreign ownership team. You know, what if this increased London games trying to go even further to Germany to see how the travel goes, you know, taking the foreign ownership team over there, leaving them for two weeks as a test. And all of a sudden we're going to find out, you know what, we're taking this team from Jacksonville and moving it to London. It it wouldn't surprise me. It's going to happen. The NFL wants to be a national global sport. They're nearly ready. Well, now the NFL is playing in Germany, Mexico, Where's, what's the Europe? Where, where are they playing in Europe? What team is it? What, what city? Uh, they play in London a couple times a year. They play in, I forget which city in Germany they're in. I don't know, and it doesn't matter. But the NFL is now playing in, what, four countries? It's right. A, you know, obviously, they could go to Canada. Any time, any moment, they could go to Canada. I'm surprised they don't have a Canada team. Honestly, like, what the fuck? That makes actually too much sense. Let's have a Canada team. Yeah, and, and I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if that's what it is, but it's just, it's interesting that they select that team. They're staying over there for two weeks. It's the worst market left in football with foreign ownership. It's just interesting. I, it just stuck out to me when I saw that, that they were the team that was going to be there for two weeks. Well, it they're they're the team. I don't know why, but they've kind of been the team that's going anyway. I think the writing's on the wall. And it has been for many years now. They're the team that goes every year. I know, which has always made me laugh too, because like the NFL's trying to increase their global market and their fans and they send these crappy Thursday night style games over there all the time. I don't know, but it works. But this year this year, you talk about that Germany game. You know, Germany's getting the Chiefs and Dolphins, which I'd love to go to that game. Like, that'd be an awesome game to go to. Yeah, that'd be a great game to go to. So, yeah. But, no, talking about the schedule and some over-unders, that's really, those were really my main thoughts. I don't know if you have anything else. Nope. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to wrap it up. And here's where the part where you say, there you have it. Hey, there you have it. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.